Apple presents events at the Apple Store. All right, good evening. Let's welcome this evening's guest moderator, Shipra Gupta. Hi. Um, my name is Shipra, and I write for IndieWire. Um, and I want to thank you guys all for coming out tonight. Um, we are very honored to have um, a really talented group of filmmakers here tonight um, from the wannabe. Um, so if they can come out and um, we can introduce them to you. Vincent Piazza, star and producer, director, Nick Sandow, actor Michael Imperioli, producer Michael Gasparro, and producer Lizzie Nastro. Uh, for the audience, I don't know whether you guys have seen the film yet, but it's a really, really interesting story um, that, you know, I mean, I've spent a lot of time on Wikipedia reading about, um, reading about mobs, but uh, never came across this um, really fascinating story about um, two, like a couple, played by um, Vincent and Patricia Arquette, who um, are sort of in the middle of the whole um, John Gotti case, um, and they and they're trying to you know live out their dreams and in the early 90s, and um, in doing so, they end up sort of crossing paths with the mob in a way that you wouldn't necessarily expect. <laughs> so. <laughs> So um, I wanted to start off by asking, because um, I know you guys worked on the script together. Yeah. So what was, what, what brought you two together in the first place? Uh, yeah, it was, um, uh, I said this earlier, but it was really a lot of, a huge case of synchronicity. Uh, Nick, uh, Mike Gasparro, uh, who's also Nick's manager, uh, had contacted my agent to do a reading of the screenplay um, at that point, um, when it was in an early stage of development yeah. and to be made by another group. And uh, uh, I read it, and we hit it off at the table read, and I wished him luck with it. And then a few months later, he was cast on Boardwalk, and we are in a scene together. So that felt really good, and then um, we kept talking about it, and we decided to kind of embark on this thing together. And uh, as we got into the nitty-gritty with the script, these pieces just kept coming together and we all started uh, getting involved and Lizzie had a wonderful idea of going out to Patricia Arquette with it, who's also with uh, Gersh, the same agency I'm with, and I don't know, just piece by piece, it all came together that way. Mm -hmm. And just to back up a little bit, Nick, how did you come upon the story? Yeah, I, a friend of mine gave me a, uh, a bunch of newspaper articles. It was about five or six uh, different articles, um, I think in like 2000 or 2001, about uh, a real couple who um, went around and, and some of the same events uh, took place. This is based on a real couple. Um, and it had like half a dozen, you know, facts in it that I was just fascinated with. and. I started to piece together a narrative um, and sort of jumped, I jumped in and said, okay, uh, how, do, how, do, how do two people get together and uh, how are they capable of doing this? And started working that out and, and, and writing it. And then I put it down for a long time. And then you, about four years ago, or I, I was like, I, I'm going to finish it. And I picked it up and I gave it to 
Mike Gasparro and I said, I don't know what to do with it. And he was like, uh, I love this. I think let's, let's try and get it made. You know, well, maybe we can sell it. Maybe we'll get it made. And we weren't sure. And, and that, was, that was sort of the beginning of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, you were on Boardwalk together. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Michael has, you know, done a lot in sort of contributing to like the growth of, you know, the gangster genre. <laughs> over the course of the past 25 years or so. So I'm curious what it was like approaching a subject, approaching it from like a little bit of a different angle, um, not necessarily in the same sort of like myth making that say, you know, Goodfellas does or right, um, I mean, The Sopranos. That was the attraction to me. It was, you know, I've, I'm, I'm an actor for 25 years. I'm from the Bronx. So when I started working early on, I, that's all they wanted me to play was mobsters and bad guys. And I, yeah, I got real tired with it, you know, real quick. And I, um, so when I wanted to jump back into the genre, I, I knew I wanted to do it from a different angle. And, it, you know, growing up in that world, I, I, I always saw it very differently. And myself was always attracted to the outsider or somebody who's so, so, sort of on the outside looking in. And, I fell in love with this idea of this this man who, you know, is just desperately wanting to be something he's not, and I I related to that really deep down. So, mm -hmm. uh, and um, Michael, you, um, how did you get involved with the project? How did you get brought in? Nick and I have been friends for I don't know a long time, twenty something years. Yeah. We've done a lot of. Uh, movies together and theater. We've acted together. We've directed each other in plays and movies and uh, so. So was it uh, strange for you to play a character that was not in the mob? <laughs> no. <laughs> most of the characters I played were not in the mob, just the ones that are most, roles that are most notorious are, but uh, mm -hmm. no, not at all, no, mm -hmm. not strange. What, so what attracted you the most to that particular character? Because we don't see him as much, but he's very much yeah. present throughout. Yeah, um, it was a very real relationship, you know, and uh, it's complex in that he doesn't want to be an enabler. He wants to help, but yet he, you know, he's tried and it's a little bit too much trouble and it's, He's worried about his own security and his own family, and it's a lot of mixed feelings. There's compassion, there's sympathy, but there's also a little bit of, you know, they're brothers, there's a competitive thing, a Cain and Abel thing that kind of, yeah, he proved himself a fuck up once again, you know, that kind of thing, and he's almost, you know, family things are complicated, and they always are, and, and Nick wrote that very truthfully, mm -hmm. made it very yeah. interesting and fun to play. Yeah, and for um, those of you who haven't seen the film yet, um, uh, Michael and Vincent play brothers. Um, we can actually take a look at a clip right now that sort of um, can give you an idea of the dynamics between their characters. 32, 33, 34, 35, and 40. That's for you. Donna, please tell Jimmy we miss him a lot and uh, 
I ever make it to Phoenix, although I doubt I ever will, I will get in touch. Thank you. Hi. Hey. Shop looks good. Same old shit. Believe this weather, it's hot, it's cold, it's hot. Cold again. Joey Bagels? How'd you guess? Holy shit. Yeah. So young. What happened, someone punched his ticket? Yeah, God. Clogged arteries. Look, Ali, I appreciate you helping me with this. Get just to this business deal goes through, all right? Um, after you called, I spoke to Ann about this, okay? Ali, they just need to see I got a job, and then I'll get out of your hair. I can't put you on the books, okay? Uh, she doesn't think it's a good idea to lie to your parole officer. Hi. And I don't either. All right. What if they come in here, they start asking questions, they nobody's, start looking... Nobody's gonna ask any questions. Well, how do you know what they're gonna do? So you're not gonna help me with this? No. Can I help you, ma'am? I didn't mean to interrupt. This is Rose. She's from Queens. It's my girlfriend. Oh. So, I mean, we've seen, you know, like in The Godfather and such like scenes between, you know, someone in a family who is in the mob and someone who is not, um, or, you know, in this case, fascinated by it. Um, and Michael, I'm really curious, you know, you've been, you've been acting for a really long time and how, how do you think that, um, how do you think your relationship to the gangster genre has changed as a performer and both like a you know, consumer over time? And Vincent, I'd also love to hear from you as well. <laughs> well, I think the theme of the movie is really very modern. It's not, although it's a period piece from, what, 24 years ago, the psychology of it, which to me it's really about, is modern because because of The Sopranos and because of all these movies and, be, be, you know, like the idea that people would watch The Sopranos and idolize my character is very scary. You know? I mean, to me, I mean, you know, if you idolize that person, something's wrong with you. You know, he's a psychopath in a lot of ways, you know, his antisocial psychopathic behavior. So that's kind of scary and that's kind of true. That scene, there's a scene in the movie where a young Eric Roberts is approached by his character and he starts calling him his name from Pope of Greenwich Village. What's his name in the movie? Paulie. Paulie. He's calling him Paulie. And he kind of engages him and it gets very uncomfortable. I've, that, I've been in that scene, you know, where people called me Christopher or Spider or something and it gets weird because they want to entertain that, that vibe. And uh, so I think I don't think this movie could, would have been made when it, was, when it really happened. It would just be a historical document that didn't contain the kind of complex psychology that Nick, that Nick explored, which to me that's really the, what makes this different than, it's not a mob movie. It's a real, it's a, it's a portrait of a, of a disturbed person. Yeah. Uh, well, when we started working on this, I was working on Boardwalk Empire, so I was immersed in 
the history of the mob and as it was in the 1920s, which was really, in my opinion, where the mythology began because it was the first decade in history where they were perceived as good guys because they provided alcohol and things that people wanted. And um, so that's where I felt the lore began. And it carried on right up until, and Nick had really pinpointed this, 1992, the, the, sen the sentencing of John Gotti was the last mafia boss of that color, of that ilk, uh, for generations and what was interesting is we kept exploring it 1992 was also where the the lid blew off on the Sicilian Mafia uh, they had um, uh, detonated a bomb blew up a judge and a district attorney in Sicily and really outed themselves so you know from across the ocean it was it was imploding so it was a really interesting time to to explore mm -hmm. and I mean for for a lot of people um, of my generation, um, we, I mean, I was really young when John Gotti got sentenced <laughs> to go to prison. And so can you explain maybe, you know, the significance of that to, you know, um, like the cinematic culture around mobs as well as, you know. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, at that time we were sort of, especially in New York at that time, you know, there was no Apple store on Prince Street. You know, it was a different, it was a different New York. And um, it, we were at a crux. And, it, you know, the, the, listen, the, the, the mob was eating themselves alive before John Gotti, you know, got sentenced. But he was the most, you know, he was, it was the nail in the coffin for organized crime as we know it. So it was the end of an era. It was... Um, and even in New York, I mean, it was the introduction. I mean, then came Giuliani, and now there's an Apple store on Prince Street. Um, so it, it, you know, this is it ushered in a new time, and that, so that, uh, that's the significance of that time, and 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 the mob at that time for me it was sort of the end of something. And Thomas is desperately trying to hold on to something. I mean, just authentically trying to hold on to something that. Um, meant so much, especially in the movies. You know, you, you watch The Godfather and, man, I want to be in that family. You know, I just want to be protected and I want, you know, uh, I, I want that power. And um, I think he was earnestly after something that it was an idea of something, but also something that was over because there was no more loyalty uh, in, in, in those circles and they were just eating themselves alive and everybody was writing everybody out, so. But do you think it's sort of problematic to, um, at least in terms of, you know, the cultural psychology, the way that cinema influences, the way people kind of like, you know, conduct themselves and model themselves after, you know, people that they see on screen to show people um, to sort of, you know, glamorize, I guess, like, you know, the mob. And, in this, and I think a really good example um, contemporary example is um, uh, Mad Men, right? So showing like that, I mean, it's it's a critique of that period, but at the same time, it's also very much, um, you know, a celebration of it as well, like the aesthetic overall. So was that something like a concern for you or? I'm not sure of the question. I, I, I get what you're saying, but what what, what was your question? Well, was it, were, were you trying to critique, you know, 
that. Um, no, I don't think I was trying to critique it. I think, you know, all these things we're talking about, I think it was trying to raise questions. I mean, I, uh, that we were kept asking this, ourselves these same questions. And I think that's what I was after. You know, I was trying to explore this time and trying more to understand it. And I think it's, it's less a critique, and um, like Mad Men, it's not that. You know, I think we live inside these characters a little more. And, and I don't think we are watching the time or the clothes or, you know, the cocktails at uh, lunchtime or whatever, you know. Uh, at Met, you're doing it when you're watching Mad Men, you know, <laughs> that, how that desk looks so beautiful. I don't think that's what you're doing here, and that's not what we were, we were after, you know. Yeah, I feel like it dives into the cliché and just questions it for what it is, uh, not only at that period of time, but also through cinema and what influence that had on the time. So it just, yeah, it, it explores the question. And speaking of, um, you know, living inside characters, what was it like living inside Thomas? Oh, uh, <laughs> it, was, um, it was fun and disturbing all at the same time because there's a certain... Um, uh, Nick had written him as this wiry character and uh, it was exciting to get into it because he... There's a freedom that people like this have. There's a certain filter that doesn't exist in customary social interactions. <laughs> uh, so he has no problem, you know, invading people's space to get what he wants. And so there were parts of that that were fun to explore, but then as, as um, it's really a descent, you know, of what, what happens. And as it gets darker and darker as the film goes on, it was, uh, it was a great challenge because uh, some big questions are, are raised. Mm -hmm. And um, question for uh, the producers. Um, was the angle of the film, did it make it harder to get, you know, people behind it or to like, you know, in terms of financially or was it? Um, I think that uh, Nick's script, you know, from the start was, it was strong and people really responded to it. And um, so having people, when we were all, you know, all ready to share it, people read it and sort of, held on to a little bit, which was nice, because then as we rounded out more elements like, um, you know, locking in Patricia, sort of all this was happening simultaneously. So all these elements kept coming together and, and you know, Vincent's point of like, it did, it was it sort of had this like crazy momentum and people were really responding on all levels, whether it was, uh, you know, on, on the financing side or actor wise um, and, and producer, you know, with, with Marty. So it was like this really nice momentum that we had. and. Um, and it resulted in actually being able to go and shoot the movie, you know, when everything got put together, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what was, I guess for each of you, the, the most, you know, interesting scene to film? Uh, there were a few. Uh, one thing um, that I, I think we should point out is Patricia to work with um, and what a catalyst she was in terms of the story because Thomas, for who he is as a standalone character, didn't have access to this world. And the, I guess the, the moment of conception, you know, meeting Patricia's character really set it in motion because she, in a sense, had access. Uh, she was a bit more savvy and, uh, and allowed the story to unfold. So working with Patricia was an absolute gift. Uh, an incredibly generous actor. And she, there were scenes that we worked on that were fun. There was a, a scene where we're with Eric Roberts um, at a social club, 
I don't want to give too much away, but uh, that was a wild, fun scene to shoot. And um, another one was with an actor, Vincenzo Amato, uh, who plays one of the heavies uh, in the film. And, uh, and this is toward the end and really gets into the, um, I guess, the umbilical cord of, of what Thomas was after. That was, uh, that was a really intense and but yet fun, energizing scene to shoot. Mm -hmm. And how about you, Nick, as a director and, you know, an actor yeah. sort of working on those? Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I really love, <laughs> I love working with actors, so I, I, I love the contained spaces, you know. I, uh, of course, uh, the, you know, the Flora scene, the scenes with Michael, and um, we were contained and we were in that space, and, you know, you really get to see what actors can do, and when you're not, like, trying to pull off uh, a block party or a death scene and you know you don't have any time and you have 70 extras and you know um, so I, I love all those scenes that were contained I love the espresso scene with Vincenzo and Vincent I love that scene uh, um, watching what these guys can do uh, it's just so I mean for me I, I, that's the high it's like being able, I love working with actors, so just giving them the freedom to, to explore and then sort of just maybe steer a little bit and sort of encourage a little bit and get in there and talk and laugh together and like laugh at what we just did. And um, yeah, so the intimate stuff. I, I, I love the intimate stuff, the stuff with John, uh, John Ventimiglia, uh, the stuff that you, in, uh, when you first get a job. Yeah. It's wonderful. I mean, they, the stuff that's improvised in that scene, at the top of that scene, between Vincent and Johnny V, that's hyster just hysterical. It's like you couldn't write that, you know. That, that stuff wasn't in the script. You couldn't write that stuff, it, you know. It, it was fun when Michael and I got to work together in the florist. It, we we were working in what was it, thirty locations in twenty days. So you know, you start to lose track. It's like a fever dream, the whole thing. And uh, we'd go from like a robbery or some real heavy gangster stuff, and then we go to the florist. And Michael had this incredible way to ground my character. So, you know, he's off the handle, and then suddenly there's this history, there's this relationship that you brought to it so beautifully that it just was this anchor for him. It, it felt like, in many ways, for me approaching Thomas, it gave me permission to shoot further in other scenes because he was, you were there grounding it from a family standpoint. It was really great. Thanks. Thank you, Vincent. So, um, you mentioned, you know, the scene in, with the block party, which is amazing. Um, you know, the color palette is just so rich and, um, and that persists throughout. So, and, and it really gives you a sense of like, you're in that time period, which is really hard to recreate because people are gonna scrutinize it a lot because they've seen it, you know, because it's not that far in the past. Um, how, how did you do that? <laughs> Well, look, I, I think first uh, we had a couple of months to play with. You know, of course, we had uh, a wardrobe, you know. Um, Kira Wells was our Kiara Wells, yeah. wardrobe designer. You know, that's an element where we can, we can show the time. Um, Brett Pollock, our DP, you know, he's the guy who, you know, created that palette and, and, and really went for it. And uh, um, locations, location, location. You know, we went out to Brooklyn and Queens, and you know, uh, Vincent's from Queens, so we had, 
you know, we had spots that were, you know, you can still find old New York, you know. Um, you can still find the 90s here. And, and the locations were really, I think, the things that saved us. And, you know, you, you have, we don't have a lot of money, we don't have a lot of time, so you got to keep everything small. We had to keep everything tight. We couldn't get too big, you know. With a block party, we, can, we could open it up. That was our day we could open it up and sort of create a bigger, uh, a bigger palette. The rest of the time, you got to keep it small. There's, you know, you only have two period cars, so like, don't move past there, you know. It's like, don't, we had six. Don't move. We had we six, actually. It felt like we had two. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was funny, too, watching Nick kind of keep it together because they kept letting traffic through. So all these modern cars are going through, and the second they go, the light would turn, barricades go up, <laughs> and go, 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 and everyone's kind of going to the street. And yeah. The block party it was also and, like 30 yeah. degrees that day, too. It was 30, it was 30 yeah. degrees, and the, the police... Uh, there's always like a police man in charge of the set and that day he decided that we were we were shooting a block party he decided that we couldn't block the street that we had to run traffic this wasn't Prince Street we were blocking it was like 48th Street in Bay Ridge it meant absolutely nothing to anyone if we blocked that street and he said no every time you call cut you got to run cars through I had 60 extras. I was pulling my hair out of my head. And eventually, I, what I did, I stopped calling cut. I just said, we won't. Let's just keep going. And I just stopped calling cut so he can stand there and hold traffic. And Occasionally, yeah. he would be like, is that scene, scene still going on? We're like, yep, still yeah, going, still on. going okay. on. And we went yeah. tonight. We went in tonight. And we ran and we in had tonight. to hire the uh, sausage truck for like two more hours for like 500 bucks. <laughs> exactly. We ran in tonight that So night. that's how the transition, because it goes. The transition, yeah. It, it was all supposed to be one day. Oh. So I had to have that night. I, I had to make that so night. So you just kept running the camera pretty we, much. We, we were like, yeah. And Brett was amazing. Our DP, he kept the camera rolling. It's digital. So we didn't have the problems on boardwalk. We're shooting on 35. He's just flying around so the cars are coming through and I'm like come on let's go and he's staying with me and we're just walking down the street getting yeah this is a nightmare for Nick in the edit I'm sure with all the scrap footage of us just walking around but we got a lot of we got a lot of interesting Great things stuff, yeah and then earlier you also mentioned um, improv so that was was that like a really big component of yeah you know, well, shooting yeah I think that um, the actors knew where we had to go they knew what needed to happen. They knew the beginning of the scene, the middle of the scene. They knew the end of the scene. Um, what they said to me was, did, I, I just was like, let's go for it. Where they moved, where they, you know. It felt and, like a living document, <laughs> like yeah. the script, because we'd show up and the maybe location is slightly different than, than as written. So, you know, the actors and all of us would just deal with it and address yeah. it and find stuff to do with it so it was a lot of fun and and that speaks to nick's direction because he just gave us so much permission to do that on set it's great so i mean this was a lot of sort of adapting to your environment but you've all worked on like very very you know big budget professional sets that are you know like have you know all the catering that you can imagine we had good catering <laughs> actually um so do you, is there one that you prefer or are there like advantages to one versus the other? I mean, because obviously great products come out of both. The movie we did before that Nick produced, we shot in his house. <laughs> that we, that yeah. we improv the whole movie. Yeah. We movie shot it in your houses. house. Yeah. We shot it for about $5 or something like that. I mean, that was like the lowest, but I mean, that's, 
really low budget movie. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I love this. I love, you know, you have a digital camera now. You don't need, we don't, you don't need a lot. I mean, you, you just, you don't need it. And I, the more it, the bigger it gets, the, you know, the harder it gets. It, I like to get, keep it intimate and keep it small. So, yeah, that doesn't mean I wouldn't take a lot of money for something to do big. Um, but, yeah, I like it small. I like to keep it intimate. And what about for you, I mean, coming off of Boardwalk? Uh, well, it was, uh, you know, there are pros and cons. But uh, for this, it was incredibly liberating uh, to you know, stretch a character out working so quickly. Um, uh, yeah, the, uh, TV, because of its nature, you have to honor the script in such a way because you have a certain amount of days to make and then there's another episode. So, you know, there, there's um, a wonderful progress to it. But um, with indie film, obviously there's a short amount of time as well, but a lot more permission to, you know, just dive in and, 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 and also accept the challenges as like blessings. You have to look at it that way. So whenever we're tied down by something that wasn't planned, you got to deal with it. And then how do we deal with it in the context of the story? And that was, that was fun because it was it made it a lot more adventurous to, to, to do. Yeah. Um, so I think we have to move to um, the fun part, Q&A. Um. So do you see this film as sort of debunking the mob as much as it is also trying to just tell a, a story? And also, um, I guess because you guys are both actors and also both on, on both sides of the camera, does that offer a refreshing quality to the whole process of filmmaking for you as an individual as well as, you know, craft-wise? Um, I'm not exactly clear on the second part of your question. When you're doing both, a little, a little bit, uh, you know, in front of the camera, a little bit behind the camera, does that reinvigorate the process, or sort of is oh. does it is it allow for a new kind of feedback process that sort oh, of yeah. stimulates yeah, you guys so. as actors yeah. and, and you know behind the behind the camera? And then, uh, do you see this as debunking the mob as much as it is telling just a straight story? I yeah, I don't think we were after any kind of debunking. You know, I think it. Um, I know, all, you know, Michael, myself, and Vincent, we were all from um, places, uh, we grew up in places where these characters were very real to us and um, very close to us. And um, so I think we were just after some level of truth that um, seemed right. I, I, yeah, there was nothing a matter of debunking, but I do think that, you know, we were, we were also trying to... Uh, be sure to look further, you know, look for, further. And I think emotionally we were trying to do that. Because, you know, you see these characters in films and you see people hurt people in films. And, uh, you know, they're, they're really cool at doing it. And I, I wondered, well, I, you, know, I, you know, what is it when you hurt somebody? Do you, can't you feel bad? And don't, don't sometimes people feel bad when they hurt somebody? And I think they do. And that's, you know, that, that, you know we kept trying to put our finger on, on, on the, uh, the emotional point of it. And as far as the two, the acting and the directing, I think they feed off each other. I love doing both of them, yeah. Well, in this movie, it's, because Nick and I have done so much together, it's a whole other level of that. You know, when you work with someone you've, we've taught together 
directed each other, acted together. I mean, we've you know that. So there's a shorthand. There's a there's a common aesthetic in some ways, and all those things. So so that that that's a whole other level. But yeah, I think act. Acting informs your directing and vice versa, no doubt. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, I saw the movie last night and it was phenomenal. My question's for Vincent. Um, Thomas is such a like colorful and intense character. What, like, what did you do to get in that mindset? Do you have like anything in common with him? Well, uh, I was really, um, really lucky in a way because of uh, the process, which I was really introduced to through Nick of exploring the script in such an intimate way uh, for, I guess, a year and a half, maybe two years leading up to the shoot, that I was coming off of Jersey Boys, and I had about two weeks to dive into this, and it was a, a major test of faith to go, if I don't know it by now, like, I'll never, I'm never going to know it. So I had two weeks to deal with more aesthetic qualities, but getting to the color of it, I think through our conversation and movie swapping and so many, uh, such a wonderful collaboration throughout, it just kept accumulating all this information, this, uh, this knowledge, and again through the research of course with Boardwalk and spending five years in that, or at that point maybe three and a half years in that, it was, uh, it all kind of uh, conspired to give some, some freedom and, uh, uh, you know, for that challenge. Uh, since it was based on the true story, were there any challenges to portray in the movie all the details uh, like like it was for real? Yeah, no, there, there was no challenges. I, I, I didn't, yeah, no, I, uh, we weren't like sticking to a script, you know. I, there were some facts that I really enjoyed in a few newspaper articles. And, and then I built a, a narrative around that and I used my imagination and that, that was fun. And so we didn't, we didn't have to stick to, you know, like uh, Vincent played Lucky Luciano. I mean, he's playing a real character and on, on Boardwalk and there are certain constraints to that and we didn't have any of that. Yeah. Hi. Um do you think that because, I mean, you were talking before about, you know, how it's so strange that people could sympathize with a psychopath or something like that. You, you can't even understand why someone would do that. But do you think well, that's... Well, sympathize, I understand. I mean, admire, admire and aspire to and look up to. Sympathize, that's okay. Do you think okay. it's because I think that, do you think that the reason why these films or these shows and or this movie right now, you know, that people want to see other people also with flaws, you know, even if it's, uh, you know, they're doing things, I mean, killing people or with, with, it's with a mob or whatever, there's some sort of relation, even if it's minute, like it doesn't necessarily have to be that extreme and that, you know. That's drama. Everybody look, wants. The first yeah. play, Oedipus, is a guy who kills his father and marries his mother. I mean, look at, you could put that on TV right now and people will be tuning in, you know, that's exciting. That's juicy and, and it's controversial and disturbed, but that's drama, you know? I mean, it's more, when you send it out into the world, the question is how much responsibility you have for what you're putting out there, but then, you're, then you get into areas of censorship. Should you not be allowed to make a gangster movie because some people are gonna admire that character and wanna be that character, but did they wanna be Oedipus and did they kill their father and you know, sleep with their mother back then? I don't know, you know? <laughs> Maybe. Yes. The wannabe in ancient Greece. That's the next movie. <laughs> That's the next one. 
how long did it take in post production? Because you know, I know it was low budget and everything. I I'm in the process of it, and I'm just like stressed out. I filmed a film for like a year and a half because we had no money, and I just you know now everyone's like asking what's going on with it, and you know we happen to get Eric Roberts for it because of Pope, and you know. Now it's like, at one point everyone was excited, now everyone's hounding us, when's the movie gonna be out? It's, <laughs> you're letting it go idle, and it's just three guys really in my friend's apartment in Brooklyn editing. So I just wanted to know, how, how long did it take you guys? Uh, Mike, Lizzie, can you help it's me? It's like I don't three know. years, I think it was. <laughs> <laughs> no, I six mean, probably six months. Six months in the edit, more, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, we had, we had, some, we had some time we had off, we had some gaps. Some time gaps. And we also had to get notes from Scorsese, so the time, like, getting some stuff and back and forth, so we had some lulls that was in We had between. some downtime, yeah. yeah. And our other partners who were exactly. great and worked with us throughout, and, well, you always want to get something out. Probably we all felt this. We always wanted to you show it. We want to show it, but... You don't want to rush our, it. You know, our partners collectively were great partners and worked with us through that process to get where you know we finished. It's just about really focusing on the film, I guess. Nick, you yeah. can answer better, but yeah, just yeah, no, focusing right. on the film, getting it done. Getting it out when it's, when it's ready yeah. to you, not your friends or you know, yeah. anybody else, because it's your work that you're putting into it. I'm a huge fan of Mob Wives, so. <laughs> <laughs> who, who isn't? I love Karen. Uh, my question is, did you guys get any flack or anything from the families of the characters you were portraying th through the movie? Not, not as not of yet. Just came out, so we're, but, uh, we're looking forward to any, give it, any give kind it of publicity <laughs> we can get. I have a feeling I'm going to get some calls from some mob wives. I don't know why, but I have a feeling. <laughs> Only to uh, go on dates, though. No, yeah, uh, not yet. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this question's for Nick. Can you talk about your writing process? Yeah, uh, a little bit, yeah. Um, Writing is hard, man. You're in, alone, you're in a room alone by yourself. And nobody uh, applauds or, you know, it's hard. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, I was f fascinated with, you know, s you know s some of the elements of this story. And I, uh, I tried to personalize it as much as I could and, and, and get underneath and ask myself a lot of the questions you know the questions of identity, and and then uh, play out, and it, you know it it, it becomes a, it, it it then becomes a joy because then you're just flying and making stuff up, and you're king for the day because you have these characters in your imagination, and you live with them, and they start to become a part of you, and it it then becomes really lovely because it, everything starts to make sense, and everything in your life starts to inform uh, what you're writing, and. And then you start to share it, and that process is great. I remember I sent Michael a, a, a draft early on, and you know you get these great notes, and you know you, you write a screenplay, and you, I mean there should be forty names on that screenplay. You know, there's forty people who get, you know gave me incredible notes and incredible uh, ideas, and you know you just sort of like a kid and like oh great let's oh yeah you know, so that's my process. Well, um, thank you so much for coming out. Um, and let's thank the filmmakers. And the, the film premiered last night, and you can still check it out um, during Tribeca, which is running till through next weekend. That's right. 
Cool. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Hey, thank thanks you. for coming out. Thank you. Great job.